Welcome to the Career Happiness Podcast. My name is Soma Ghosh. I am a careers advisor and a career happiness mentor. This is the second season of the podcast. So if you haven't already listened to all 26 episodes from season one, please go back and check out the list of episodes that are relevant to you. In this season, we'll be talking to more exciting and interesting guests. I'll be talking about job hunting and how you can get noticed more on LinkedIn and be more visible so that you can get a promotion and pay rise. We will also be looking at confidence, self-worth, and also how you can be career happy in relation to your health and overall well-being. So if you are looking for some inspiration in your career and you want to move forward into the next phase for 2020, please stay tuned and listen to the podcast. Hi everyone, and in today's episode, I interviewed Tom Moran. Um, Tom is a coach. He helps predominantly people who are feeling dissatisfied at work and have lost meaning in work. Um, Within this interview, we speak about um, the meaning of work and what that really, really means. But we also dwell into um, what's going on right now with the pandemic and we talk about recession and we talk about a lot of different things. One of the really, really interesting things that came out of this interview was um, I got to dwell a little bit deeper and ask Tom more about his military career because Tom actually approached me to appear on the podcast um when um he approached me it was really really interesting to see how unique his story was um in the sense that not only does he come from this military background but he's worked in lots of different arrays of work and I felt like um he would be a really really good fit for this podcast but also because um, everyone's journey is so unique. And so I hope when you listen to this episode, you really, really get to understand that more. But also, um, I feel as though I really, really enjoyed um, not just hearing about his story, but hearing about his advice and what he has to offer. And I think that at this time, it can be very, very easy for us to feel complacent. But what I really, really liked about interviewing Tom, you can't help but feel... Um, a lot more positive when you talk to someone like Tom, I have to say. Um, and I definitely felt a lot more positive. I, I enjoy interviewing all of the guests who come on here. Um, but he does have a very, very kind of gentle, yet um, kind of calming approach to dealing with careers. And he does it in a way where he really, really kind of um, is is quite matter of fact, but straightforward and caring about his approach and passion for finding meaning in work and why it's important um not just you know before what was going on with covid but you know in general and those of you who will be future listeners who will, who will listen to this you may be listening to this after um everything that's happened but you know this is this is something that's going to stick around for a while i think with the, with the recession and stuff but this episode is hopefully going to inspire you and help you feel um, more motivated not only in your career but finding meaning in your work as well I hope you enjoy this one thanks so much hello everybody um so today I have Tom with me hi Tom how are you doing hello I'm doing fine thank you 
it's really, really great to have you here today um, on the Career Happiness Podcast. And um, you actually reached out to me, uh, mm-hmm. you kind of pitched to be um, on the podcast. Um, what is it that you kind of saw in the podcast where you felt like you wanted to come on, I guess, would be a great question to ask first before we begin. Sure. Yes. Um, I, well, my, my personal perspective is that, uh, you know, work is such a large part of most of our lives and uh, to, to have any kind of anxiety or uh, lack of meaning in that large domain in our lives can be quite stressful. And uh, anybody who's uh, interested and works hard to improve uh, our experience of work, I'm always happy to connect with those uh, people. So when I saw your podcast, I thought, oh, I have to reach out to this person. Awesome, awesome. I'm really, really glad you did because what you do, it's not only interesting, it's also really um I'd say powerful and necessary, especially, I mean, whilst we're recording this, it's it's kind of 2020 and COVID time, but for future listeners, we don't know what's going to happen, we don't know what's going to change, but before we kind of get into all of that, because I will be asking you more about that kind of stuff within the interview today, can you just tell us a little bit about yourself and what you currently do, Tom? Sure, and yeah, when everybody asks me to you know say things about myself, my mind immediately goes to work, and and I, and that's just me. I mean, I'm I'm very uh, conscious that uh, for not everybody, work is is the biggest thing in their life. Of course, my wife and I have been married for 25 years. That's a that's that's probably the biggest thing in my life. But I always think about work. So um, my working life uh, started in the military a very long time ago. I spent 11 years in the military, and then I moved on to the private sector before I started uh, coaching and consulting. Um, but what I realized throughout the the diverse career I've had is that work was always a very important thing in my life. And I I don't mean from a a money perspective or a skill perspective, just from a source of purpose and meaning. And it it took me a while to figure that out. But once I did, my work actually transformed into sounds strange, but work about work. So now I help people, um, you know, find more a greater sense of meaning in their work to energize their teams and of course uh, become better leaders in the workplace so I'm really thrilled to be able to do that right now. And and in terms of what you're you're currently um, doing what is it that you do within kind of your business and Mm -hmm. and what you do Tom it'd be great to find out a little bit more about that. Sure Uh, so I do um, uh, generally two things I work one-on-one with uh, leaders in organizations uh, in the areas of, of course, you know, helping them become better leaders. So lead their teams, engage, inspire, connect with their teams. Uh, that's, uh, I do that one-on-one. And I also do uh, broader training for leaders in general. So I've got a course coming up next week where we talk about, uh, you know, some critical leadership conversations that sometimes leaders have to improve their skill at. So mm-hmm that leadership development is one thing. The other thing I, I help organizations with in general, and that can be one-on-one or with a team, is uh, developing their strategy. Not so much strategic planning, but really setting a direction and a vision uh, for the organization. And uh, the, the idea of a vision uh, was very powerful in, in my personal life to help me change my career. And I've translated that into trying to inspire organizations to inspire their workforce. 
And the last thing I do is um, I, uh, I engage with organizations and help them manage broader changes. So it's one thing to be successful at a project, whatever organization, whatever that organization does, perhaps it's software, perhaps it's some sort of other product and service, but it's, uh, it's, it's different to uh, implement a change within your organization and get your return on investment in that change. And normally we want, we're trying to get people to adopt the change and find some meaning in that change and, and uh, see the benefits of it. So that could be a change to a performance management system, uh, a, an incentive program, a policy on vacation, anything like that, that we want people to be engaged in and, and adopt. So I help organizations uh, understand why uh, their workforce may be resisting, and it's normally for very good reasons, and uh, help them overcome that. So I work, those are kind of the three domains I work with organizations on, and I either work with them individuals one-on-one -on -one or uh, with teams as a facilitator. Okay, cool. Um, can I just ask, because obviously, I mean, my, uh, a lot of the listeners are in the UK, but I do have mm. people who listen in other countries. You're based in Canada, right? Do you work with clients just within Canada or globally? How, how does that work? It'd be interesting to find out. Right. Right now, um, most of my clients are actually in Western Canada. So um, if you, you know, you look at the Northeast United States and there's the Canada has uh, this large central kind of prairie region where it looks like we could shoot uh, Western uh, films <laughs> here. And then right up to the rainforest of the, the West coast of, uh, of, uh, of uh, Canada, which is British Columbia. Um, my organizational clients are in Western Canada. I have individual coaching clients in the United States and I was a early adopter of uh, technology prior to this uh, horrible mm -hmm. pandemic we're struggling through. So mm -hmm. uh, the there was really no transition in one-on-one -on -one coaching with, uh, with my clients in the United States. I have, um, years ago, I worked and lived in the United Kingdom, but <laughs> uh, that was for a larger organization. And, and now most of my, like I say, my uh, coaching and consulting is uh, Western Canada and, and the United States. Okay, that's interesting to know, because I guess what what you do and I do there are definite mirrors but obviously when you're talking about the leadership there's a bigger focus there and mm -hmm. you know leading into that Tom because one of the things I really really liked about you know you and your business when you reached out is that you know you've you've written a really interesting book and I wanted to ask you you know what was kind of the inspiration behind your book your best mm -hmm. work and why did you feel it was important to write yeah, th thank you for that. So when we look at my book, Your Best Work, it really draws on the earliest part of my coaching and consulting career, which was helping individuals develop a more deeply meaningful working life and do that for their teams. Um, the inspiration is quite interesting, though, because uh, it, I still believe it's, it really is a luxury to be able to have the time to write a book um, Just just have that time in our lives to to spend, you know, it takes a long time, about a couple of years probably from ideation to publication, however it's published. Um, but the inspiration really was, um, if there's, it's, it's actually my second book. Uh, in, oh, cool. Oh, yeah, it's my first book about work. But many years ago, I wrote a book. I used to do a lot of mountaineering, and I wrote a book about mountaineering safety. But uh, that was uh, 15 years ago. And when I wrote this book, I talked to my publisher, and uh, she actually said, you know, Tom, you're, you're, you work so much in leadership now, why not write a book mm -hmm. about leadership? And my comment was, well, if there's only one book that I get to write before I die, 
it's going to be this one. And, uh, she, and, uh, and then of course she knew my, my backstory almost being, I was almost killed at work twice. And then a third time trying to escape what I thought was unfulfilling work at the time. So I, I thought that message is, and, and the, the learning from that has helped my clients so much, you know, for the first five, seven years of my career, I need to get that in a book. And it's, it's great to be able to help a client one-on-one. -on -one. It's wonderful to stand in front of an audience that uh, wants to hear you speak for 45 minutes or an hour. There's sometimes a couple hundred people there, a couple thousand. Of course, that doesn't happen during COVID now. But with the book, it's, you know, 10 pounds, I think, in the UK. And then you can really experience that, that, um, that methodology that I've developed and the stories at your leisure for a very you know, you know, uh, reasonable price and it can reach so many people. So the inspiration for the book was, um, I really wanted to get my message and method out there. I really wanted to honor the clients that uh, worked with me and had the courage to contribute to the book. And I wanted to make it accessible that to as many people as possible. Mm -hmm. Cool, it sounds really, really interesting. And you briefly just touched on there, very briefly about your um, personal career story which I found really really interesting um, when I came across it kind of yeah. on your website um, but it'd be really great for kind of the listeners to find out a little bit more about that so can you yeah. just tell us a little bit more about your personal story because it is interesting sure and, gladly yeah and also kind of some of your biggest career lessons I guess Tom yeah oh yeah and it's it's <laughs> fascinating how I'm so, this is I'm so glad you said biggest Big career, you know, the career story and the biggest career losses, because in a way, uh, um, for the earlier part of my career, I, it really, it was kind of one continuous mistake, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. But I, and, and mistake for me, not that the jobs were wrong, not, you know, not good, meaningful jobs. So I started uh, quite young, uh, 17 years old in mm -hmm. the, in the Canadian military. And this was in the early 1980s. Um, and uh, my father was in the military, uh, you know, growing up in, in you know, Canada, um, you know, just seemed the thing that a young men did if they didn't go to university and college and I didn't. So I went, did what my father did. Um, mm. And, uh, but while I was doing it, I always thought the military wasn't the right job for me, but I couldn't connect that in my mind. I just felt a a sense that I, I was doing the thing that was was not right for me. But of course, young, young men in the society that we, we were in, I just pushed forward with, you know, my adrenaline and motivation. Um, and I, I did quite well. Uh, and then in 1994, I found, I found myself uh, in the former Yugoslavia. And that was a, you know, it was a very dangerous mission. We lost four soldiers when I was there in, in my company alone. Uh, and one day, of course, there was a, a mortar attack. Now on that day, nobody was injured or killed. It was over almost, you know, seemed to be over before it began. But uh, when we got the all clear, I remember standing in, in the middle of our compound. And my first thought was not uh, seeing my life flash before my eyes. It wasn't of my parents and relationships. It, my first thought was, I need to get a different job. I really thought about work. And I thought I have a job now that's going to get me killed. And it's not the right thing for me. So mm -hmm. I said something at that time that um, I would say one more time, which was the next <laughs> 10 years of my life will not be like the last 10. 
And a year later, I uh, left when we got back to Canada, I left the military. uh, And I started another very uh, traditional career, the only thing available to me. I worked uh, on on what's called a drilling rig in in the in northern Canada near the Arctic. And it was a very uh, all men again, you know, wearing, you know, these dirty clothes coveralls working in you know, it sounds crazy, but minus 20, minus 30 degrees Celsius, uh, working hard. And, but again, like the military, the military, there's lots of opportunity to contribute to the well-being of others. And it's a deeply meaningful job. There's a strong culture. Same with the, the new job, working on the drilling rig. It was, it was one of those things you see on in movies, you know, fabric of the land, salt of the earth. And mm-hmm. it was going well until the day of, you know, an accident. Um Nobody, you know, uh, wasn't uh, wasn't a malicious thing, but uh, my supervisor wasn't paying attention and uh, accidentally released a large piece of equipment that swung toward me. And had I not uh, had somebody not yelled and I had not jumped out of the way, I I literally would have been sheared in half at the waist. I would have been I would have died huh. right there. Um, again, though, strange as I am, I always tell people <laughs> I'm a I'm a terribly slow learner. Uh, <laughs> I, I didn't think about in that instance, I remember standing there. I can't believe uh, that. I'm sorry. I thought I'd just say that. Yeah, it, it, it still makes me shudder a bit when I think about it. And I, I guess, you know, I, my skin, uh, you know, I get goose flesh on my skin. But um, yeah, I, I thought um, I need to get another job. I didn't see my life flash mm-hmm. before my eyes. I didn't, but this time I went back to college and university. Um, I got a, a very good job working in a high-rise office building in a large city. I was working with smart women and men who worked very hard. We were managing large industrial computing projects. Um, and I was set for the rest of my life. I thought I'm safe. I'm a mm-hmm. professional now, so-called professional, whatever that means. But I felt you know, secure and different. Uh, but about five years into that job, there was something missing and I don't think I was missing adrenaline or anything like that. I was looking for that deep source of meaning in my life. Um, my, of course, my wife and I, you know, we were living in Western Canada. She was working too. And we started rock climbing and ice climbing. Uh, pretty soon we were climbing mountains all over the world. And I had this distraction from a job that was uh, becoming less fulfilling for me. Of course, my last brush would, with death would be on a mountain in Peru. Uh, we were at 18,000 feet and uh, I, there's a lack of oxygen. I started to hallucinate and I actually saw myself leave my body. I was, I was, I was going to stop breathing and I, I was sure I was about to die. Um, but at that, but that was probably the biggest challenge for me because at that time I didn't think I need to get a different job. I wasn't thinking about work. My, my working life had already lost meaning and now mm-hmm. my escape from work had lost meaning. And that day actually was the next day when I recovered was the beginning of the journey that uh, I'm on now. And, and like I say, the most fulfilling part of my life, which is understanding this intersection of this finite life we have, this uh, knowing that it's going to end and this all consuming for many people, not everyone, but this massive construct called the world of work and how we can engage in it and find it meaningful. So that's sorry for going on, but that's my, (laughs) my, my experience. No, it's very, very interesting. I was going to ask you um, a bit of an add on question, if you don't mind, just because 
you know, as a careers advisor, um, when I used to work in schools and colleges, Tom, mm-hmm. I remember only a very small proportion of people were interested in joining the army or joining the military. It would mm-hmm. be very interesting to find out, you know, what what was your, I mean, obviously you had that horrible experience, the mm-hmm. death, the near death experience, but what was it really like having a military career, I guess, um, mm-hmm. just to add on to that? Yeah, and and I I still uh, am connected to a lot of people that are in the military, and uh, I I've made new connections of people who I never knew when I was in the military military and they're in there now, and um, for me it really was the only before I joined. So let's let's go back to seventeen years old. Mm-hmm. To me, it was the only job I fully understood, the only career I fully understood because my father did it. If my mm-hmm. father, I believe, was a I don't know, uh, uh, owned a s- store or um, worked in healthcare or did anything else, I probably would not have joined the military. I, I and and I think that's that may be an important point to touch on for many people. Um, we're, we're we are socialized from the day we are born, mm-hmm. you know, c- constructed by the society and powerful influences like our parents, our family, our friends, the media, all the power structures in society, like the the world of work, the education system, our political systems. And mm-hmm. those things really shape uh, the uh, how we engage with the world and the meaning that we choose to connect with in the world. So my father, uh, from the time I was born until the time I joined the military and a few years after he was in the military. So I, when people say, what's the military like for me? I just say it was a job that I understood mm-hmm. and I did what my father did. Now for many people, of course, there's a, there's the um, straw and, and I had a sense of service. I loved the idea of, of uh, being in service to my country. And when you're deployed in these conflict zones, you have a wonderful opportunity to help people. It's, it's, it's incredible the opportunity that, that uh, military members have to contribute to well-being. But uh, for me, it really just was a job. Mm-hmm. That's really interesting, Tom. And I think the reason why I wanted to ask you that mm-hmm. is because of your vast experience and the different types of jobs you've done. I've been doing lots of research into, you know, because I work with parents and young people as well sometimes, mm-hmm into career choices and what leads to career choices and you know whilst this is being recorded during the pandemic and everything that's going on I think a lot of people are being really reflective and they're thinking about oh if I want to change my career if I want to do something how can I be of service what can I do to help others but you know I think a lot of people dismiss the fact that with you know being in the army or the military you learn a lot of amazing skills as well that can be helpful when you join a corporate job or a different kind of job as well right yes thanks for thanks for mentioning that this this search for meaning during covid um i i think and and i know you know you've seen this too in the uk jobs that we and careers so occupations and and careers that we thought well we, we didn't think were meaningful in the past and then and you know if we google top top 10 meaningful jobs uh you won't see you know a delivery person a grocery store Mm -hmm. clerk um you know transit operator like a bus driver we won't we won't see those things on that list but we know during covid that these people who you know um who are able to you know put on a mask and transport people uh you know 
put themselves at risk, deliver our, our goods, keep, you know, grocery stores open during this, this horrible time. Though those jobs are all of a sudden we're seeing seeing how they contribute to the well-being of others. And I think when people say, well, what you know, what can I do that's going to contribute? I would offer that any job can contribute to the well-being of others, but but it's important how you do that work. Mm -hmm. So if, you know, people often say, well, start with why. And uh, there's some great, you know, great reading on why, you know, why we should start with why. But I always ask people to say, you know, start with what, you know, there's something that you want to do. We all, you know, well, I call that our authentic work, the thing that we want to do, knowing that it's just the say this as meaningful as anything else. And when people hear mm -hmm. that, they say, well, yeah, I'd like to do this. And it's like, okay, great. Now, how can you do that job? So it will contribute to the well-being of others. And, and all of a sudden we can start moving forward. But if we always start with why, like, why should I join the military? All those whys are a construction. They're all those things that we're socialized to believe. So why is a tough one? And, uh, and, you know, I always like when people say, what should I do? And so I can contribute to well-being. I say anything. It's, it's all about how you do it. Yeah, no, that's really, really interesting. And it kind of leads on to the next um, question, Tom, that I wanted to ask you, because I know that you're fascinated, as am I, about the meaning mm -hmm. in our work. And I wanted to mm -hmm. ask you, what do you think are some of the factors that are causing us to kind of have, you know, less meaning in our work or think about meaning in our work, I guess? Yeah, I, I, I think it's the same things that have always done it. And I'll mention those, but I think the you know, the volume or the intensity of those factors has been you know, amplified, turned up during COVID. So that I, from, from my worldview and the paradigms and the theories that I work from with respect to career, uh, again, we're, depending on how we're, where we're brought up, who brings us up, the people that we associate with, the media we concern, well, we consume, are, values so what we think is important uh valuable what we think is the most responsible um though those are things that were that have, that we learn and when we when we are now in in covid for example in this horrible situation we find ourselves in for the past nearly a year now uh the you know i think people are getting all this media and saying okay now what I've got to find a meaningful job. So I, I'm not an, you know, an, an emergency room physician. Mm -hmm. I'm not a frontline healthcare worker. I'm not something. Those must be the most meaningful jobs. But again, if we turn the clock back uh, 10 years, somebody might have said, well, you know, I'm not a, uh, a biologist. I'm not a, I'm not, um, you know, I'm not an environmental activist. Those are the jobs that are most important. I should be doing those. So what I always tell people is there's always going to be a huge, powerful society that shapes what we think is important. And if we can st step out of that for a while, just raise ourselves above it and, and say, I need to find out, look deep inside myself and find out what's meaningful to me. All of a sudden, the volume on society that's telling us what we think should be meaningful is turned down, and hopefully we'll hear the work we want to do. Mm -hmm. No, definitely, definitely. And interesting, because we have touched on what's going on at the moment whilst we're recording this, and 2020 has been a very strange year. I mean, I've, I've been reflecting on this, not just because of COVID-19, but I think, you know, it started with the mm -hmm. bushfires, and there's all been... Mm -hmm 
every got a lot of things happening you know the blm stuff that has been happening there's been a lot mm-hmm. going on this year unfortunately um but one of the things i really wanted to um ask you tom is obviously you know we're all kind of going through this and the economy is spiraling and there are a lot of people who are really worried about you know their working careers mm-hmm. what kind of words of wisdom would you give to anyone who is currently un- unhappy at work uh, many years ago i would always say uh I, I shy away from giving any advice or, or words of wisdom, but it, I, I seem to have, uh, even though I don't like to call it that, it seems to be what I've built my career on right now. So I'm more than happy to to offer uh, maybe a bit of, of what I've learned. Um, in Canada, a, cu- a couple of weeks ago, we had a, our Thanksgiving holiday. It's a different uh, time than in the United States. And uh, we had a, a Zoom uh, Thanksgiving with my parents. And so they set up their iPad on this. They, they live uh, quite a ways uh, from me. And they sat on one side of their dining room table with their iPad facing them. And my wife and I sat on our t- side of our dining room table, you know, a thousand kilometers away with our uh, computer. And we, we exchanged, uh, you know, we, we chatted as we ate. Um, and what I asked them, I, I tried to understand during this time, uh, you know, how bad is it? Is, is there, you know, they, they're, they're almost 80 years old. They, they've gone through, you know, all this stuff that's happened in the world. I was trying to get those words of wisdom from them and they really didn't have much to say. They said, yeah, it's pretty bad right now. They would say. And, uh, and, and what I learned is uh, when I look, when they look back on their life and, and they, and I look back on my own experience, when we're in the midst of things, they seem horrible. And they are, but it's a, you know, f- five years from now, three years from now, we'll, we'll probably be talking, do you remember during COVID how bad that was? So the only comfort that I can offer people is horrible catastrophes like this really are anomalies in our lives. Uh, most lives in the world, um, uh, over over generations, definitely for sure, get better with technology and and healthcare and hopefully uh, hopefully better political systems and people that care. But even throughout our our lifespan, our as you know our, our 30, 40, 50 year working career, I really feel that that this current horrible situation really will pass and uh, and will be will be immersed in our careers again, we'll learn how to live with it and we'll move forward. So if somebody's thinking right now that they, they need to transform their career, they're saying that themselves or, you know, I will never make enough money again to purchase a flat or save for my, my children's education. I would say that it may feel that way right now because we're in the depth of this pandemic, but um, I honestly believe six months or a year from now uh, we'll be, we'll be, you know, moving past that and through that. So stay the course, keep caring about your work, keep being kind to other people to keep trying to find a way to contribute to well-being through your work. And, uh, you know, like the, you know, it's almost a cliche now, this, the, uh, this too shall pass. Mm, it's very interesting. And I know that globally, it's different all over the world what's going on mm. with the economy so for example in the uk our, our chancellor rishi sunak he started this new kickstarter campaign and that's to help young people 
um, you know, of a certain age, because the demographic in this country, uh, Tom, just to give you a bit of an insight, I did a podcast episode about the economic recession and the people who've been most affected. And it's people between 17 to 25 who've been most affected in the UK. That's what the stats are showing. Um, so he started this scheme to help them, you know, get back into employment. And, you know, there's been the furlough scheme and things like that. What what kind of to find out from you a little bit, um, what's been going on in Canada then to kind of help people mm-hmm. with the economy? Do you know? Yes, for sure. And so uh, we have a very uh, similar demographic that's uh, the most effective affected and I would say that uh, we've looked at it a little more a uh, little differently um, uh, yes for sure people who are just starting their career uh, so people who have completed let's say some post-secondary education and had expected to you know uh, start building that lifetime mm-hmm. career they've been affected. So they're a little older, they would be, say, 22 to 30, Mm -hmm. somewhere in there, say 22 to 28. But then when we look at younger people, um, a lot of those younger people are uh, trying to get their first job so they can save a little bit of money, uh, or support themselves uh, going through school, or just start socializing with other, um, other people in the world, rather than just their friends, while they're, you know, playing in a park. So they would be 14 to let's say 22. So they're, you know, first job, maybe, um, you know, who knows what working at a, a, a big box store, or, you know, in, in the service industry, perhaps, or, you know, a summer job doing uh, I had this I had a, a, a very interesting person. We chatted for about an hour, she came by and cleaned the clean the external windows of my house this summer. And I uh, and, and we were talking about how how important those those kinds of jobs are for people who are you know attending university and college. So those people, everybody from 14 to late 20s, has been really affected. And of course, our government, like yours, is trying to find ways to uh, support them and uh, and get them through this for sure. But it, it's a uh, again when we when we think about that, it, it's also another uh, a reinforcement to the the largeness of this thing called a working life. You know, we, we look at people from 14 to 22 and we're, and we're terrified that if we can't show them that work is something you'll be able to get in your life, you know, it's, and, and, uh, and it's something that can be a source of meaning for you and, and make you really feel good. Um, we're, we're putting at risk a generation. So I, I really think that, uh, that we need to, to, keep giving uh, people hope and show them that it really, this really will pass. And I, I, I hope that that's the way it turns out. Yeah, no, I definitely hope so too. And I think that there's a lot of really useful information um, that's online. Obviously, I think it's important to make sure it's the correct information mm-hmm. sometimes, but I think when people dig into it, they can find out really not just useful, but important information. And it's good that, and it's, you know, it's not surprising to hear that there's a lot of um, support as well in Canada. Mm. One of the things that I really wanted to ask you, because I know you briefly did touch on it, um, you spoke a little bit about a leadership, um, is I wanted to kind of um, ask you a little bit about, you know, your um, work kind of in leadership. Mm. And what do you think kind of makes a good leader and are the best attributes in a leader, Tom? Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's a lot of perspectives on leadership and, and uh, 
ways to approach it. You know, we can look at all, you know, values-based leadership. We can look at uh, the old traditional authoritarian model and there's every uh, servant leadership, everything in between the spectrum of leadership. But if we look at at really uh, the fundamental qualities that uh, if if they're not there, things go drastically wrong. Uh, I always come back to two. Number one is credibility. A leader has to be credible to the person, to the people that are being so-called led. And, and credibility really comes from uh, doing what you say, doing what you ask other people to say, and and really being consistent and, uh, you know, uh, being respected. I mean, your, the values you exhibit, um, uh, be, the, you know, your behavior is, is how other people will behave. So really, leaders are called, in my opinion, to, to really be exceptional. Um, now that there's degrees of that, and there's ways to learn that, but you can't expect to behave poorly. And then expect the other people you're leading to behave well. It just doesn't work. So credibility and some aspect of character and behavior and all that can be learned. The next one is connection. So it's one thing to be credible, a good person, uh, have great behavior. But if you can't connect with people, you're not going to learn what uniquely motivates that person or how you can contribute to their well-being. So that's another thing that can be learned if somebody's not a natural at it. And we use the term, you know, introversion or, you know, some people are avoidant. There's all those things. They're not, and it's not a introversion and avoidance is not a bad thing. And it's not a good thing. It's just what happens sometimes. And uh, what I often say is that all the skills that people can learn to become truly good leaders can be learned, can be learned, all those skills can be learned. And uh, it, it, if we can just get credibility and connection, right? Um, you know, we'll do well as leaders. No, definitely. And I think especially now during these times, I've been reading a lot of stuff around, um, you know, social media and how we can connect in ways where, you know, I mean, we're recording this on Zoom and most mm-hmm. people are doing Zoom meetings right now because you can't physically meet in person. But I do think that sometimes as, as amazing as social media is, I mean, I love using social media. Mm-hmm. It, it stops, especially millennials, you know, that's my kind of demographic, millennials. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I see a sense of the fact that there's a reliance on social media to connect and mm-hmm. Part of what we do, Tom, both of us, yeah, we kind of use social media, I guess, a little bit, but it's still important to have those one-to-one conversations, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And, and I think, you know, we, so I connect through social media, like everybody else, I tweet, I have my, my, my social media channels, and, and I think that's still wonderful, and I, and I think people still need to do that, but the, the, that personal connection. And so, you know, just having a dedicating, you know, 15 minutes for a zoom call with somebody and just to say hello and find out how they're doing those, those little things in our, in our days, if we can do that two, three times a week, um, or, or if there's a safe way to meet for a coffee, or even, you know, when we're, when we're shopping for groceries, if we can just pause and talk to the clerk there and, you know, all those little pieces of connection, not only do they 
make us feel good, but they build our skill and they make the world a warmer place. So we feel good when we go a little bit out of our way to have a slightly deeper connection with somebody. And, um, and I think that's harder now and we need to focus on it more. I mean, we don't have to turn our lives upside down by being on zoom with uh, social connections, eight hours a day, yeah. but if we can just make that, that, that aspect of connection intentional, uh, I think it goes a long way. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, I've, I, well, I, I used to do this anyway, Tom, uh, I used to have regular phone calls with my friends, been doing it obviously a lot more and that's been helping me. But even what you've just said, I, I had somebody on LinkedIn today reach out, yoga teacher, actually. Um, she's not my yoga teacher. I do do <laughs> yoga regularly. Um, and she was like uh, saying to me, oh, so mate, if you ever need to just have a, like, as you just said, a 15, 20 minute chat, just, mm-hmm. just know that I'm here as another fellow business owner. Because when you have a business, sometimes you're so busy working you don't stop to just have a networking call or have that connection um yeah. with somebody because that's important too isn't it yeah and i love the way yeah the, that yoga teacher reached out to you almost saying you know can we talk and let's not talk about business like let's <laughs> let's just have this quick social call I, I i you know i'm talking about business all day but i'd love to just spend 5 10 15 minutes hearing about your day or you know uh what you see out your window when you're working, if you're fortunate enough to have a window. Um, those little things, people really uh, relate to that. And it makes it safe because so, especially in our, in our uh, volatile world of work, a lot of times we're looking for business or we're looking for a future uh, job opportunity or, or changing, changing organizations, or you know, perhaps we've been made redundant and we have to find another job. Um, so people feel a little bit obligated, a little bit of pressure. And they they say, well, you know, I don't, I'm not sure I want to talk to so-and-so because I don't have anything for them, but everybody has a life and everybody has, you know, the, their own personality. If we can just say, let's not talk about work. Let's just, you know, grab a cup of tea and talk about what we're seeing out our window for 15 minutes. That's fantastic. Mm-hmm. No, definitely Tom. I definitely mm-hmm. um, understand what you're saying about this. And it's just been really, really lovely interviewing you today. Where can people talking about, you know, connection and stuff like that, where can people find you online, Tom? Mm-hmm. Oh, thank you. I, yeah, my, my website is uh, aptly called work feels good. So if people just go to workfeelsgood.com, uh, that's, that's where I reside. That's where there, there's links to my blog, the book, you can see my consulting services, and those are my social media handles. So workfeelsgood.com. And uh, my primary social media, of course, is, is LinkedIn, because I, 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 you know, deal with leadership in the world of work. And if anybody would love to connect as, as we did, Soma, that's fantastic. Uh, always happy to connect with, with new people. Awesome. So LinkedIn is the main place. You did um, mention Twitter as well. Are you on there mm-hmm. as well, Twitter? I, yeah, I, I, I do. Um, I simul post. So what'll happen is I, I, I I'll, uh, if I have uh, if something's come up, like I've got a speaking engagement with a course next week, I'll, I'll post on all those channels, but I primarily, you know, and I think what's, a, what's really, what, what I, I want to emphasize is that engaging on social media really is, um, Oh, you know, people feel good when you like their posts, when you mm-hmm. reach out to them and connect. So 
I find that uh, I do most of that on LinkedIn. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that's primarily where I do it. But uh, of course I share on all platforms, but I, I, I try to engage with people and, you know, mm-hmm. like their, like their posts and, and say hello and uh, all that through LinkedIn. And it's, uh, maybe it's just a, a time thing. I don't, you know, uh, I don't have time enough time in the day to mm-hmm. say hello to everybody on Instagram, everybody on Facebook, <laughs> everybody on Twitter. So I just kind of simul post on Twitter and Facebook, but I, I, yeah. if, if, if I do say hello a lot on LinkedIn. <laughs> but I, that's mainly where I hang out as well, as you probably know, Tom. So yeah. it, it's all good. I think I really like LinkedIn and LinkedIn now has the stories feature, which is quite mm-hmm. good. There's all these different things now. But thank you again for coming on the podcast. And um, yeah, it's been a pleasure interviewing you. Thank you, Tom. Thank you so much. It's such a pleasure to uh, to be able to uh, reach out uh, across this globe and uh, talk to you in the UK and, and hopefully contribute to uh, to you, to your, to your listeners. Thank you so much for this opportunity. Not a problem at all. Thanks, Tom. Bye. Bye. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. It means so much that you listen to this podcast. And if you think this has made a difference to your day, please share it with someone else that you know. If you haven't already, please leave us a review and a rating on Apple Podcasts. Thanks so much. If you want to find out more about the Career Happiness Mentor, please subscribe to our newsletter or email me. All the details are in the show notes.